Welcome to the Dr. Dab Show. Today I have a beautiful, special guest with me, Melody Elisa. Melody is a Christian YouTuber, influencer, and helps people across the world learn and have a relationship with God. Today we're going to chat about life, love, and building a close relationship with God. So, welcome, Melody. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. It's such an honor to be able to meet you. Your channel has been such a blessing in my life and in so many other people's lives. And I am just super, super thankful to God for your transformation and the ability to be able to say that you once didn't know him and now you do. Yeah. Yeah. God can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he can. So I want to just talk a little bit about how you got to the space that you're in now. Okay. You talked about being in a space where you didn't believe that God existed. And through time and experiences, you got to actually realize that he does. Can you just Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your background with God? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I grew up going to church. I was a church kid, so much so that I was the Jesus version of a brownie. I'm sorry, the Jesus version of a Girl Scout, which was called a brownie at my church. So we were just in it to win it. But there also was this sense of fear. I remember always at church, um, every single Sunday, we went to the kids section, just giving my life back to Christ just in case I did something the previous week. So it was really just fear-based for me. And as I got older, things were just happening in my life. And I kind of drifted away from church and the Lord. Um, Then I got to college. And at that point, I'm really trying to make sense of life, trying to make sense of the world. And I found myself um, believing in new age beliefs and starting to practice new age practices. And this led me to thinking that I need to just take control. I need to watch my thoughts and do this and be mindful and don't do this and then do this. And I just got to the end of myself at a certain point. Um, And once I realized, man, I don't think I can do this by myself. um, God really met me in that moment. It honestly took heartbreak, so it wasn't anything super pleasant, but it's through that challenging time that I really came to know that God was always right there. And I was able to see just how he had orchestrated so many events that seemed random, but I could see his hand looking back. And I realized this thing I've always wanted to just do life with someone, to just have someone consistently be there with me, this this loving father um, he was always there and it was, he just really met me in that moment. I was living abroad. And so it was just me, my two friends and Jesus. And we really were able to just really, um, grew my relationship so much with him. And that was a catalyst for everything that I'm doing now. And it's just been quite the journey and just something that I'm so grateful to God for because I've come a long way. <laughs> we all have come a long way. And I like the fact that you were able to see the difference in your life before and after God. And when you talk about new age, this is something that unfortunately in our world is becoming more and more popular, but it's very much masked. And I have to say that because being a psychologist, it was very intertwined in Mm. self-help. So you may think you're reading a book on just how to become more positive, 
But in that book are all of these different techniques of things that you need to do, like you're saying, watch your thoughts and you can manifest your life. You can create this life for yourself. And what that ends up being is a situation where you're your own God Mm -hmm. and you are monitoring every single thing that comes into your mind. And that in and of itself is truly what ends up being fear-based because you're like, oh no, I thought this. So this is probably going to happen. And this is why this happened. And it brings so much anxiety and you're doing it all by yourself. Yeah. When you were practicing these new age things, did it bring you any kind of comfort or did you feel like, okay, this, this is the answer? You know, at the time I was going through a lot of transition in college and I found a specific book and that book made me think that, oh, the cure to everything that I was going through, I just need to watch my thoughts. And so at the time it did bring comfort, but that book really was the opening and the slippery slope to me then starting to practice yoga more seriously for me to then starting to carry around crystals thinking like, oh, I feel anxious today. Let me go ahead and make sure I grab my amethyst crystal. And like this looking back, some of it is just, it's laughable. Like I literally believe that this crystal was kind of like cure my anxiety for that day. Um, So it brought comfort to the point that it was able to bring comfort. And then once I realized like, I will never be perfect enough. I will never be able to watch my thoughts good enough to where I'm not experiencing this anxiety or to where I'm not experiencing just these negative things. And it, like you mentioned, I was really trying to be my own God. And at the time I didn't know that. At the time I just thought I need to take matters into my own hands. I need to watch out for me because no one else is. And it wasn't until I think the love of God truly changes you. The love of God makes you realize like you're not out here by yourself like you sometimes think you are. Um, And that for me is what really brought me that comfort that my soul was searching for in these other places. Mm. Yes, I remember you mentioned being in college and just getting yourself into these situations where you're drinking and you're smoking weed and you relied a lot on marijuana to be able to bring you some of that peace and that comfort that you were craving. And this is something that I can relate to as well, not necessarily for that particular reason, but I did have so many things in my life, even though I believed in God, I wasn't living that lifestyle and I was not saved. Mm -hmm. I found myself doing things like smoking weed a lot. And that for me felt like it was helping me to be this person that I wanted to be, this peaceful person, this, you know, creative person. And unfortunately, it was it was a mask. And a lot of people are stuck in these things, these substances, because they do provide this sense of false reality for them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it even may bring out certain parts of their personality that they actually may like and feel like they can't be that person without these things. And coming to God, coming to Christ allowed me to be able to stop doing those things. And he brought all of that stuff with the relationship with him. Mm. Did you find yourself being able to easily stop those things? Because once they become a habit, it is difficult to stop. Yes, I would say absolutely. I've always had a interesting relationship with alcohol. I've kind of gone back and forth with that in college. But marijuana was my bestie for a certain point of my life. Like, didn't do anything, didn't go to work, didn't go to class. Um, I just didn't do anything without having that crutch. And it took health issues, honestly, that caused me to think like, 
maybe this isn't the best path for me. And then as I also started my relationship with the Lord, I was living abroad in a country where it was illegal. And so (laughs) I kind of took it away completely as well. Um, And I'm grateful to God for that because even just applying to go abroad in this teaching program, I had to stop to make sure I passed this drug test. And so Mm. it was, um, again, God just like orchestrating these things to kind of get me in this position and give me some clarity to be able to be ready to receive what he had for me. Um, But yes, there were definitely seasons where it was for me a crutch. I didn't like how I felt in my mind and in my body Um, without it. And so it helped mask that uncomfortability and it helped me get through life and get through the day without thinking certain things, but then it would wear off. And then you're thinking these things again. And so you're like, oh, I don't want to sit with myself. Let me get, you know, let me go and disturb what's going on in my brain. (laughs) And it just becomes this cycle. Um, And I see it with a lot of people and my heart goes out to them because sometimes people can think it's harmless that it's just something that I do, but there are bigger and deeper implications there. Um, and there's just so much clarity that can be brought when we remove that from the picture. Yes. It's also expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anymore, but I can imagine everything's expensive nowadays. <laughs> yes. You're wasting your money as well. Now, you talk on your channel about lots of different ways that a person can really build a relationship with God because you yeah. talked about how it was such a beautiful thing to hear that God wasn't this mean, like evil person. He was actually a loving father who wants to just, like you said, do life with you and wants to have a relationship with you. And that's mm-hmm. what you were looking for. You were looking for a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you talked about relationships a lot on your channel you are now married, right? And congratulations, just had a child. Yes. Such a beautiful blessing. Thank you. How did God impact your relationship that you have now with your husband in terms of even bringing the two of you together? Oh, so much. God's hand is all over our story and all over our relationship. Um, So like I mentioned in college, freshman year, I'm smoking, I'm drinking, And my husband was one of the friends that I first met when I was in college freshman year. And so we met at this time in our lives where we both were trying to figure things out. And we kind of just, you know, met in passing. We had, you know, groups of friends that were similar. And from there, we separated, like just kind of lost contact, um, did not talk for 10 years. And so we both went on our own journeys. I finished up school at a different university. I was at a school in Miami. I ended up transferring after a year up to a school in Orlando, graduated, moved abroad, and was just in this space of trying to figure out my life with a relationship with God at this point. And so for him, he was on his own journey from that 17-year-old kid that I met back then to being in his career, being on his own walk with the Lord, figuring things out for himself and really looking to start that next um, step in his life. And so God really prepared us for each other by separating us. Like there's no way that we could have been in this place that we are now had we met and like started dating way back then. And sometimes my husband will joke, oh, I wish we just would have started dating then. And I was like, oh no, I would have destroyed (laughs) that relationship. I would have brought every piece of baggage I had with me into that. Like it just would have been terrible. 
So yeah, God really brought us together at that perfect timing. And throughout that process, for me, it was a lot of surrendering. I was really impatient. I was like, God, I know what I want. Where is it? Like, I want to get married. I want to have a husband. I want to have kids. And um, ultimately didn't meet my husband until I was 27. And so, you know, throughout all of my 20s, I'm like looking around the corner, you know, like, God, I know this is a desire you placed in my heart. Where is he? Mm-hmm. And God is, is it him? Like, is it him? Right? <laughs> I truly went through seasons like that. Um, and God was just like, be patient, be patient, surrender, surrender. And it really wasn't until I surrendered it, my timeline, my desire, and really gave it over to the Lord that um, our paths crossed again. And it was actually after I did a Daniel fast. And so in February of 2019, I remember I was just at this major crossroads in my life, career-wise, relationship-wise, just trying to figure out like, Lord, what do you have for me? I thought this was the direction that you wanted me to go in. And you also know this incredible desire I have to like be married and find this person that you made for me. But I think I'm going about it the wrong way. I'm going to just give it over to you, whatever you have for me in this area. And also whatever you have for me career wise, I surrender. And it really Mm -hmm. wasn't until I did that, um, that God opened up doors, ended up getting a job here in Atlanta, which brought me over to Atlanta and it was for me at the time, a dream job working at a tech company, working in the finance department, which in and of itself is such a God thing because I majored in um, health sciences. And so my qualifications for this finance job was very minimal, but God got me in the door. And then about two weeks after I finished the Daniel Fast, my husband slid into my DMs and the rest is history from there. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yes. That is so beautiful. Now, in what ways during that time were you preparing yourself for marriage? And how can other women prepare themselves when they know that they have this desire and they trust God that he will bring that desire to pass? What can they do during that season? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'm grateful I did was just try to understand myself, my history, and some of the things that happened in childhood and how that informed how I viewed relationships currently. I think um, for me, that was really important because I do come from a divorced household. And to say that that doesn't impact how I view relationships would just be really short-sighted. And I knew that. And so I really um, am passionate about therapy. And I was always in somebody's therapy chair. I just really enjoy unpacking things, learning more about myself, but also bringing God into that situation too. So for me, that was um, one of the best things that I did in an effort to prepare And then also just surrounding myself and being around a great community. Um, I moved back from South Korea to Orlando in 2017. And at that point, I got plugged into my local church. So just being around women that were uplifting each other, being around women that were in the same headspace that I was, because the last time that I lived in Orlando, I was living a very different life. Um, I was, you know, this is pre-saved Mel. And so I didn't really have connections that I wanted to continue. So making sure that I really found that new group of women that I could be around and do life with, encourage me, hold me accountable to continue on the path that I'm on. um, I just found that invaluable. That's so powerful. When you are someone who has had such a significant life change and you come back to the place you used to be, some of us sometimes still want to connect with those people because 
you may miss them or you may see them on social media or they may reach out to you knowing that you're back home. How does a person stay in a grounded space in God and still maintain those relationships? Or do you think that they have to actually say, like, I need to remove these people from my life. I can't even have them here now that I'm in this space. It really depends on the situation and that relationship. I think if they're family, then, you know, the idea of just completely cutting them off really isn't the best idea unless, you know, something crazy or toxic is happening. Um, But for me, it really was a case-by-case basis. There were some friendships and some, honestly, just like dynamics that I had with friends that I realized this actually isn't serving me or you the way that I think this was prior. Um, And that was difficult decisions to make on my end, but it's something that luckily I was able to bring to my therapist and definitely able to bring to God. Um, But I did just try to lead with love and I didn't want to lead with judgment. I think it was easy to say like, oh, I'm in this other place. You're still back there. Mm." And I really had to make sure I was checking my heart to say like, that is not Christ-like, first of all. Like Jesus sat with everybody, but I did have to be mindful just for myself that I didn't want to put myself in a position that I was going to become someone that I didn't, that God wasn't um, moving me to be. Like I didn't want to backslide. I didn't want to start smoking and I didn't want to start drinking again. And so if that's the only thing that you want to do, then I'm going to have to remove myself from the situation. But to just make sure that I was leading in love and not judgment and just kind of like this haughty air of I'm better now <laughs> that I know Jesus because that is something that leads people further away from the Lord and doesn't draw them closer. And I wanted to be mindful of that. Exactly. Exactly. Now tell us about the Daniel fast and why fasting is important because I just did one. Actually, I'm in the middle of one right now, but oh, I did wow. one in the past for the first time. And your video was actually the first video that I watched on it. I've done other forms of fasting, but my first time doing the Daniel fast was in December and it was such an intense experience, (laughs) a lot different than a normal, typical fast. So tell us why, why a Daniel fast? Like, what is it and why is it something that those who follow Christ should try? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the Daniel fast, when I first did it in February of 2019, was the first serious fast that I did just by myself. I had done corporate fast before with my church, but I was at a point where I knew that fasting is one of the spiritual disciplines as believers that we should be practicing. And I knew also that fasting does produce this result of just clarity from God. And if nothing else, you're going to come out of the other side of a fast feeling closer to the Lord and being drawn closer to Him. And that's exactly what I needed. And so I just went into it with a humble heart of like, God, you know what I need. And I think this is the best way for me to like clear out any of the confusion and the distractions and just focus on you. And so I chose the Daniel fast because honestly, it was the one that I was most familiar with and that I had heard the most about. And I also liked the challenge of it being 21 days and not, you know, longer than that or shorter than that. I feel like that was a a good challenging point for me. And then I also wanted to make sure that I was doing a fast where food was involved because the idea of like not eating anything, I feel like that'd be a little bit extreme for me. And so I went with the Daniel fast. And at the time I didn't really know what to expect. I I knew that, okay, God's not a genie. I'm not going to do this fast and all this stuff is going to change. And so my heart Mm -hmm. posture was really like, Lord, I just want to draw closer to you and I want to gain clarity on what it is that you want me to do. 
And then from there, um, and it's interesting because as I was going throughout those 21 days, I didn't necessarily feel like I was getting revelations after revelations. Like it just feels like we're going (laughs) through the motions, but it's not until you look back in hindsight that you're like, wow, this only happened because I was doing this fast and I was open to being here. And then I heard you and like, you just see how God was really putting it together. And so I always try to encourage people that even if you're not feeling these revelations day in and day out, that God is still moving and he is still working throughout that process. And so now as I am a few years out from that, I do try to make sure that just my husband and I, we do want to do at least one or two fasts um, a year together. And then just for my own walk, we like to take time as well to fast, not necessarily from food, but just things that we feel like are distractions. And so we'll just pray and be like, all right, Lord, what is something that you'd like us to fast from? And I kind of go from there, but just trying to make sure that fasting is a habit for us and not something that we do occasionally. I like that. This is something when you said a spiritual discipline that so many believers, unfortunately, don't pay enough attention to or don't know about truly. Mm -hmm. They don't understand what fasting means, why it's important. And fasting is just a way of humbling yourself right before Mm -hmm. the Lord and allowing there to be a space for need. And typically we rely so much on food to fulfill our hunger and our need. And instead of eating, we are eating God. We're eating the word. We're opening ourselves up spiritually to be able to free ourselves from the spiritual blockages that stop us from like receiving spiritual information and that kind of thing. And that's why we feel a lot closer to God because we're depriving ourselves of something. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't know enough about fasting, but once they are exposed to it and they start practicing it, they Mm -hmm. see major shifts in their life because the spirit world moves when you deny yourself, you deny your flesh. The Daniel fast was interesting to me because, and it comes from the book of Daniel, for those of you who don't know in the Bible, and Daniel was brought into uh, the king's palace and he asked if he could just eat fruits and vegetables instead of the meals that everyone else was eating. And that time he was a lot sharper and God was able to do a lot through him. And that's why they call it the Daniel fast. Mm -hmm. And so doing this fast for me was different because typically I'm used to not eating for 12 hours a day. And that is very, very challenging. But the Daniel fast for me was more challenging than that because Mm -hmm. for 21 days, I'm not eating any of the things that I actually like, (laughs) at least for the 12 hours one. After 12 hours, I can have ice cream, pizza, whatever, coffee, whatever I want. But the Daniel fast, you're not having any of the stuff that you like for 21 days. So that for me was a lot more of a challenge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Even though you might be able to eat throughout the day, I'm not eating what I want to (laughs) eat. So (laughs) it is good to do different things to show yourself that you are able to deny yourself things, physical things for spiritual things, because those spiritual things will last a lot longer. And God always honors you heavily for doing these things. So I think it's great that you have like recipes on your channel. You said even with meeting your husband, like after the fast is when all of those things happen, the job, the husband, the move. I mean, major shifts always happen after fast, major shifts. (laughs) It does. And that's the thing where it's like, if you would have told me when I started or even while I was going through it, that all this would come out of it, I'd be like, I don't think so. But just like you're saying, like things really do shift when we deny ourselves. 
Yeah. So what are some other things that you and your husband do together that uplifts your family? Mm -hmm. So what do you mean by uplift the family? The fact that you said you fast together and you try to do that every so often. I've heard of people doing this as married couples where they have certain things that they do together, whether it's read the Bible, whether it's fast together, and it's helped them do things like purchase a house or if the wife had a health problem of some sort, you know, just fasting and praying through that has helped that illness to go away or things of that nature. Is there anything that you and your husband do together that just you feel is something that really does help that maybe other couples don't know about or aren't doing? Um, I feel like nothing is really revolutionary, but we do just try to be intentional about bringing God into things. Something that we started this year is actually vision planning for the year together and doing that um, at the start of the year or just within that first quarter. Those are both really, we work really well when we have um, an idea of what's coming. And we both like to get clear and making sure that we're doing the things that God has called us to do. And so we found that vision planning, really bringing God into it as well and like casting a vision for our family for the year has been really, really helpful to just get us on the same page. Um, And we originally heard this whole concept about vision planning um, with the Lord at our church. And it was just told in this sermon that we both were like, I think this is the best sermon that we have both ever heard with so much (laughs) practical advice. And we just went Uh home so excited to start implementing all of it. Um, So another thing that we do is we also try to plan together and really just make sure that we're on the same page as much as possible. And in that planning out time to um, spend time together, planning out time to do things with Zoe, planning out time to incorporate Bible study, planning out time to pour into each other's cups and really just making sure that we're focused on serving one another and this idea of like out serving one another. Because I find that when we both are in that same headspace, things just flow smoothly, especially when we both know what it is that we um, have our eyes set on. That's important. And I like that idea of vision planning. So many times when it comes to other things in our lives, we're checking on them, whether it's our car, we're getting it maintained, our body, our hair, our nails. I mean, we're always taking a look at things, fixing them, changing them. But when it comes to things like marriage, unfortunately, it gets to a point where a lot of people don't take the time as couples to check in with one another. And I think it is beautiful when couples have like one day a week where they just talk about, okay, what does our weekend look like? What does our month look like? What's going on with our children? How are things with us? Like, you know, I noticed that this week you didn't do A, B, and C. Is everything okay with you? You know, just those check-ins are so necessary because without that, I feel that couples end up drifting apart or just not being intentional about the plans that they have together. And maybe one person's planning one thing and other person doesn't know about it. Yeah. I think another thing, I don't know if you and your husband do it, that is also nice are things like marriage retreats. Like once a year going with your husband somewhere with other couples where you can get things poured into you and into your marriage. Just those maintenance things within Mm -hmm. a marriage, you know? Yeah, we would love to do that. We've heard of them. And I know our church Uh has a few different events, but not like a weekend away. But we would love to do something like that one day. Yeah, I think people underestimate the idea of scheduling things because it feels and sounds like it's too rigid or Mm -hmm. it's not feasible. But, you know, before your husband and you were married, you scheduled dates and things of that nature. Like that was Mm -hmm. something that you did. You didn't feel like this was weird or, you know, 
a problem of any sort. You're working, you're busy, and you made time to spend. You didn't say like, oh, well, we're together. So it'll just happen when it happens. Yeah. You know, same thing with sex. It's like, there's nothing wrong with scheduling sex with your husband because you're busy. You have a baby now. You're tired. You may have to say, okay, on this day at this time, let's meet up and in this room and <laughs> let's make sure we have sex. Because yeah. otherwise you might not ever have sex and you're just frustrated, right? And so yeah. I think people need to normalize the idea of having a vision, whether it's a small vision for the week or the vision for the year within the marriage. I agree. I think for us, we've found that being intentional really makes the difference. Like intentionally wanting to connect, intentionally taking the time to plan to connect, that Mm -hmm. really takes away any of that potential frustration of like the expectations. Because I know when we first got married, we were long distance before. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we went from living in different states. Now we're in the same house. We are going to be all around each other. We both work from home. I'm just going to be right (laughs) up under you all day. And then I quickly Uh realized like we're both two very independent people. Like what's going to take intentional effort, even if we're living in the same house for us to come together intentionally and not just like past each other, you know, oh, I'm going here and going there. And um, so it's something that we've definitely grown in over the last few years. And I just couldn't agree more, like being intentional, carving out that time and making sure that you're pouring in to your spouse has been so helpful for us. Absolutely. Now, now that you are in relationship with Christ and you're learning and you're growing and you're changing, have you ever been in a season where you felt like you weren't hearing from God, that God wasn't there, that you felt like the distance was just really intense from what you were used to experiencing. Some people call it like the wilderness season where yeah. they, they don't know where God is. I can very much relate to the concept of the wilderness season. And it came at a time where I wasn't expecting it at all is when I was pregnant. And so I had a really rough pregnancy. When I first found out that I was pregnant, I was thinking, I'm going to feel closer to God than ever. Like I'm experiencing this miraculous miracle growing in my womb but it was some of the most challenging nine months of my life, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I felt truly like I wasn't hearing from the Lord and that He wasn't as close to me as He normally was. And through those challenging moments and this that challenging season, um, so I did have some pregnancy complications and it was just a whirlwind on a lot of fronts. But through that, one of my friends really encouraged me with this verse in Revelations. And it talks about how there are angels in heaven that are bowing down to the Lord constantly saying glory, 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 or hallelujah. One of those, glory or hallelujah. But basically every time they get this new revelation of God, they're they're bowing down and saying hallelujah. And it's because there's so many different facets and aspects of God for us to come to know And just encouraged me during that rough season and that wilderness season that I'm just getting to know a different aspect of God. And this is definitely challenging and it's not my favorite, but I'm getting to know God in a whole new way. I'm getting to understand that he's there even when I don't feel like he's there, that he's watching out for me. Even when I thought things that weren't going to happen to me still happen, I can still see his hand and I can still see him being this trustworthy God. So that's something that I tried to hold on to as I was just walking that, that challenging time out. That, that is so important. I can relate to that because during my pregnancy, I did have a very rough patch that I was not expecting. And during that time, I was not interested in 
praising God. You know, I was like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this? Right. You know, and it took me having a shift mentally to say, you know what? I was to the point where I couldn't even pray. I was in so much pain. I had to have Mm -hmm. everyone I know pray for me to strengthen me. And I decided just to play some worship music like the whole day. And I found myself like with the music leading me into worshiping him and thanking him and praising him and praising him for the end result that I can't see. You know, that's faith, believing what you don't see yet. And after that day, he healed me from all of the things that were going on. He healed me. And I didn't even think, like, I felt so bad. Like, how did I not even think to praise you and thank you anyway when I know this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I think it can be really difficult when you are experiencing the unexpected to feel like, you know, God is not there. But he, like you said, he's always there. Mm -hmm. And you talked about the Lord healing you with something, right? On your channel that he healed you from something, Yes. When I found out that I was pregnant at that first ultrasound, I also was diagnosed with fibroids, um, uterine fibroids that I didn't know I had. And I didn't know how common it was for women to have fibroids either. Called my mom and I was like, mom, I I have three really large fibroids. And she was like, yeah, I have fibroids too. And I was like, why did we never talk about this? And that's when I came here. Yes. (sighs) And I'm like, mom, mom. And so throughout <laughs> my pregnancy, that was one of the, the things that I was dealing with as my baby was growing. So were my three already large fibroids. At a certain point, one of them degenerated. So I was had to stay at the hospital. Um, and it was absolutely the most painful experience that I've ever gone through. Um, and that's the thing I had to walk out with God because everyone around me was praying and believing that this was not going to happen. And so Mm -hmm. for it to happen, it was Mm -hmm. heartbreaking and and so challenging, you know, just physically so incredibly challenging. But it was through that, that I'm really able to see just even just a few months after that, like God's hand was still on it. Like I met some of the most amazing nurses who then were at the hospital when I delivered my baby, like the same people checking us in and could see me through that entire time. And so I know God was with me through it, but it was still really challenging to go through. And so then we're hoping, praying and believing that these fibroids would shrink once I had my daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. But unfortunately they didn't. They stayed pretty large, like five centimeters and eight centimeters. Um, And so we decided that the best route would be to have a laparoscopic myomectomy. And so through that process, I am now um, fibroid free and God healed me from these fibroids. I'm fibroid free, but not in the way that I thought. And so it's important for me to still keep it in context that I am healed. It didn't happen Mm. in this miraculous way that I know that he could and that I prayed that he would, but I still received this freedom from this, um, you know, these masses. And so I'm grateful for that. Oh, wow. That really touches me because during my pregnancy, I too found out that I had fibroids. I didn't even know what fibroids were. And they told me that as the baby was growing, the fibroids are growing. And I think they were like the size of an orange or something by the time I delivered. And the doctors were just like, and this is part of why I was in pain. I had a kidney stone at the same time and Mm -hmm. I had fibroids. It was just a mess. And the doctors were talking to me like, oh, well, you know, if you end up like losing the baby, like no big deal. Like they were just so insensitive and they even had their mind on that, which also bothered me. Like it put it in my mind that this 
could happen. And it was just awful. The whole thing was awful. But even after I gave birth and I went in, they said, oh, the fibroids are still there, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, like I thought God was going to get rid of them, right? Right. Um, (laughs) But they always talk in this way, like, it, everything is forever. Like it's going to, it's going to stay this way. Like just deal with it, that kind of thing. And I've always been in the mindset that the doctors don't know everything because they don't. And the Lord does heal people supernaturally. But like you said, it's not always supernaturally, but it's still healing. It's mm-hmm. still gone. You're still healed from it. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out why he let me go through it. At least you figured out why. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's empowering and encouraging to hear that you're able to have a successful surgery to where you don't have to experience that pain and you're able to be free from it. So yes. that, that is a powerful testimony and that God is always with you. And sometimes even with this situation, you don't even know what else, you know, was playing at hand and what can happen in the future. Right. So that is wonderful. Now that you're married and you're a mother and you're in a brand new season in life, you're experiencing different things. And I'm sure now you feel like you're a little bit closer to God after all of these different experiences. Something that I try to keep in mind with the seasons of our spiritual life is just like you were saying, embracing it, just like the seasons in our physical worlds. Like when spring comes, we know it's spring. We know it's going to end. When summer comes, we know it's summer. We know it's going to end. So knowing when you're in a specific season in your life is important to be able to identify, okay, this is where I'm at right now and not being angry or bitter about that season, but embracing that this is something you're going through Mm -hmm. and God is with you through it, but eventually you will be through it. You will be out of it into something different. Mm -hmm. And keeping that in mind, I think stops people from getting into depression or getting into a place of just like self-loathing or all the different things that come out of feeling hopeless because you're focused on the moment that you're in. Now that you're in this season in your life, how do you spend time with God? Because you don't have the same time you used to have before. You're not able to do what you used to do before. How is it that you're able to manage that as a <laughs> as a wife and mommy? Yeah. So I feel like recently I've gotten to a good routine, but there definitely was some trial and error as my daughter's gotten older. Her sleep is a little bit more consistent. Um, so nowadays it really has made a difference for me to just wake up early, to wake up before she does. And while I was actually recovering from my fibroid surgery, I was able to focus on things around the house that I normally would be like, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. And one of them (laughs) was building out an area of my closet to be my prayer closet. And that honestly has made a huge difference. And just knowing that every single day I have a place that I'm going to go and meet the Lord. And so I have all my books there, all my highlighters, my Bible, some pillows, Um, And just a blank piece of our wall that I'm able to put pictures and prayers up. And that really has made a huge difference for me of just having this designated area. Because before I'd try to bring my Bible and my journals downstairs and be with Zoe in the playpen. And then she's crawling all over me and I probably read one sentence and it kind of just goes through the window after that. Um, So that has been for me how I spend time with the Lord. Um, And then I also have two days a week that I work. And a lot of what I do on the internet is create faith-based content to encourage women to grow in their relationships with God. And I do that in partnership with God. And so I plan out content with God. I'm praying, I'm, you know, going through the Bible and I'm asking him 
what is it that you want me to say to your daughters? And so through that, that's also a time where I'm able to spend with the Lord. And then just recently, um, I've started working out consistently and looking at that as another avenue of spending time with God and pouring into myself. And so I'm at the gym listening to my Christian lo-fi beats to just calm me down and just, you know, pick up some weights and do that. And that's another time that I feel like just clears my mind. Um, And I'm really intentional about not putting on podcast shows or even music with words to really just put on some instrumentals, kind of focus on what I'm doing in the physical and being open to whatever God has for me there. So just finding those, those small moments has made a huge difference for me. I like that. And I think it's really necessary for people to realize that in order to hear from God, you have to be silent. Like we spend a lot of time doing things like we're reading the Bible, we're praying and all those things are good. We're singing songs and all those things, all of those things are good. Mm -hmm. But God wants to also speak back to you. It's a relationship. He wants to talk to you. And a lot of it sometimes mirrors like what we do in our physical relationships, talking, 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 no listening, right? right? <laughs> Thinking about what you want to say, what you can get out of the conversation, right? And not actually listening. Mm-hmm. And God wants us to be silent. He wants us to be able to be silent, to hear from Him, to be able to be silent, to show honor, you know, when when people die and unfortunate situations happen, they always give a moment of silence, Mm. you know, because silence is powerful. It's showing honor, showing reverence. And that stillness is necessary to be able to hear what God told you. Mm. And that's why so many people experience getting ideas and getting things like that when they're driving in the car with no music, when they're in the shower, when they're washing dishes, when they're sitting in the playpen with the baby, just like looking at them. And (laughs) that's when God is downloading things into your spirit. So practicing that silence, I think is so powerful when you're at the gym and, you know, you spent enough time talking and worshiping and now it's time to hear from him. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's wonderful that you're able to do that. I know for me, this was a really big challenge finding time for God. And it was very frustrating because I went for quite some time not doing it and I just felt miserable. Mm-hmm. But I did what you what you did too. I went to the prayer closet. I did not want to. I'm like, a oh, prayer closet? Like seriously, I don't want to be in the closet, but mm-hmm. I had to. Yeah. And for me, it was at night. Okay. But then the light went out in the closet and I'm like, okay, I know this is not going to get fixed for a while. So let me do something else. So now I'm in the bathroom. And it's like, I really would rather not be in these places. But it is a start. It's showing that it's not about where you are. It's Mm -hmm. about what you're doing Mm -hmm. and who you're with. And it is nice mentally to know that, okay, at the end of the day, I know I'm going to this place and this is where I meet with God. And, you know, people have even said, you know, um, when you have spaces like that, where you are meeting with God and praying and hearing from God and the angels are with you, you can see the power even in those very small spaces. Like people Mm -hmm. have had a situation where maybe their child was very ill with a fever, very sick, and they brought them into their prayer closet Mm -hmm. and they were healed, you know, because that, that power is also tangible. Like it stays on things. Like in the Bible, how a person's cloth or clothes can heal a person because Mm -hmm. it actually stays on things. It can stay in that room. So there are a lot of powerful things that can happen um, that many of us 
can lean into and it can bless our lives when we're in relationship with God. 100%. Yes. So how old is Zoe now? She is 14 months. She's 14 it's months. Wow. It's that's... happening so fast. She's lying. Yes, it is. Crying. She has <laughs> lots to say. We're not entirely sure what it is, but she has lots uh-huh. to say. But she's talking. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And as a mother now of a little girl, being that you've been in a situation in your life where you've experienced divorce, you've experienced transitioning in your life from one lifestyle to another, mm-hmm. what are some things as a mother that you're doing to instill or you're planning on even doing to instill Christ into her heart. Yes. Honestly, the biggest thing that I want to do, my husband and I both, we both grew up in the church, but we were never told about having a relationship with with God. It was all behavior management. Do this, don't do this. That's bad. That's wrong. That's okay. But don't do that again. It was all just trying. It felt controlling. And so we rebelled. Um, luckily, you know, God snatches back up and we're back in relationship with him. But the biggest thing that we really hope to impart on Zoe is telling her at a young age that God just wants a relationship with you. You do not have to be perfect. You do not have to do X, Y, or Z. Just go to the Lord and know that one, he loves you and he's always there and that he's always wanting to do life with you. Like you don't have to be afraid to approach him or ashamed. Like there's nothing you could do that will make us not love you. And there's nothing that you could do that would make God not love you anymore. And um, those are just messages that we both feel that were missed for us in childhood. So that's something that um, we just want to make sure that she knows. But just now, since she's so little, we just try to make sure that we're reading books that, you know, encourage her to know about Jesus and encourage her to know just about God. And she loves them, which is really great. And there's so many resources out there of just amazing, cute books that incorporate God and Jesus into them. So we have those and we just make sure we do our prayers. Um, She has her little amen down right now, which is like really cute. Oh. Amen! <laughs> it's really yes, loud. I love it's that. Really cute. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Is there a way that people can find these like books? Do you share them on your Instagram page or is there a space where people can find resources in yeah, order absolutely. to spend time with their children? Yeah. So I do have um, an Amazon um, storefront where I have some of the books linked um, there on my page. Wonderful. And where can people find you on the internet if they want to get closer to God and learn practical tools on how to stay in relationship with Him? Yeah. So my YouTube channel will probably be the best place to find me. It'd be Melody Elisa. Also over on Instagram, I'm always trying to share some encouraging tips on real or encouraging tips, but through reels and through posts. And then I also have a membership club called the Created for This Membership Club. And it's for women who want to grow in their relationship with God alongside other women who want the same. And so it's just a safe space for women um, to, we do Bible studies, we have master classes, live Q&As, and it's a really encouraging community. So whether you're fresh to your faith walk or really seasoned, it's a place that we just pouring into one another, holding each other accountable, and um, honestly, just building friendship. Having that positive community to do life with has been um, amazing. And I'm just really grateful to steward this group of women. That is so wonderful. So yes, a membership 
group, that is something a lot of people are needing that connection and that that help, that guidance. So it's wonderful that you have that available. And I hope that you're able to visit Melody's page and visit all the different things that she has to offer you because she is definitely an inspiration in so many ways as a mother, as a wife, as a woman. And I know that you will grow with her by visiting her page. So thank you so much, Melody. Thank you for sharing all of these beautiful gems with us. And I pray that you and your family continue to grow and that everyone who's watching is able to also support you on your platforms. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Oh, you're so welcome. Have a beautiful day. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.